Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, and it is a Penn State game week. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. We've got a new a producer here to talk to you about in just a moment. We've got a lot to get to on the episode. Not only are we going to discuss the end of preseason camp, some lingering concerns, questions coming out of that, position battles, updating you there, but we're also going to get the inside scoop on Wisconsin and what they did during the past month of preparation for this matchup. Mike Hogan, who covers the Badgers for 24-7 Sports, will hop on the podcast with us a bit later. But Sean, we are in game mode. We've got some format changes to talk about for the podcast we are locked and loaded for a big season uh and and ready to move on from what has been a long long wait for a full football schedule yeah it's time to actually do something around here so <laughs> i can't, can't wait game week wisconsin noon on saturday noon noon eastern of course uh 11 o'clock local and uh yeah penn state gearing up for that one it's been the biggest one on the schedule for for a long time and that's not really hyperbole coming into this year you know that they always talk about being one and oh and everything and not looking ahead but this one is as big as it gets uh until you get to ohio state which is obviously the top one every year but not too many season openers like this and we're looking forward to it we've got a, a new podcast format as you mentioned a new producer you're going to get more of us. You're going to get us in different uh, mediums. You're going to see our faces. I don't know that that's a good thing, but you they want us to show our faces. Um, and it's going to be fun. So we've got some things coming up, shooting for four episodes a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, of course, the post-game show that you guys have grown to love uh, after the game on Saturday. Hopefully not too many Sunday, early Sunday morning ones as we did last or the last year. So, But no, it's fun. We've got a new producer. We want to introduce him. Lance Glenn is joining the team. If you recognize Lance's name, I've worked with him on national podcasts before. He was a national producer for 24-7 Sports. Uh, joined the company in December of last year. Lives in New Jersey. And I, I specifically asked, no Rutgers guys. They gave me another Rutgers guy. So now I'm two to one on this podcast. And I was in on that meeting where Sean was like, they were like, anything else we should know about figuring out the producer situation for the podcast? And Sean was like, not another Rutgers guy. And, 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 and I've worked with, and I've worked with Lance. I've, I've worked with Lance in the past. He does a great job. And uh, we're, we're very, very happy to have him. Yeah, we're happy to have him on board. Lance, we'll give you give you a moment here to introduce yourself. We know that you, you don't want to be a, a third co-host here, but thank you. And, and I think this is going to be a huge way for us to streamline what we do with this podcast, get it to our listeners quickly and do it in some different ways, like Sean just said. Yeah, guys. No, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to help the uh, Lions 247 podcast kind of expand to different mediums. Like Sean said, I am a Rutgers grad. I am a Rutgers fan, but I'm a Big Ten fan as well. And I've definitely... Uh, I'm fascinated to see what James Franklin has done in Happy Valley with on-field results and recruiting results. So it'll, it'll be fun. We'll definitely have a good time for sure. You'll get your fill listening to us talk about it here on the podcast. And as Sean said, four times a week, we're, we're adding one early in the week compared to what we've done in the past. We're going to bring you our preview episode, which was usually coming out on Fridays. We're going to bring that on Thursday for you folks now to give it a little more time to breathe. It'll be ready for your Friday drive to campus for these home games. It'll, of course, be ready in time for your tailgate on Saturdays. A lot to look forward to here uh, as September arrives in just a couple of days. But we start 
start with kind of putting the focus on where we just came from, and that is preseason camp. Sean, you were back in Beaver Stadium on Wednesday, so was Mark Brennan. Uh, I was actually out of town for a few days this past week, but it was your first chance to see this team in person since the spring because of some, some things you had going on. I got some early looks. One common theme here is as we come away from preseason camp, we did not see 11-on-11 action. That is an interesting thing. But you did see some guys pushing each other around. You saw some competition. Anything stand out from from our latest look at these Nittany Lions? Always good to hear pads clashing. I gotta say, I missed it uh, a bunch uh, when I was not able to get in there. It was cool to cool to get back in and see some things and take some notes and and just feel a little bit normal again. So it was pretty awesome to get back in there. Um, in terms of the the actual competition, I think the most we got we got some one on ones, uh, O line, D line, which was fun to watch to get a get a look at those guys in there and see what uh, what Penn State's trying to put together. Obviously. Not not much you can take away from that. It's better than those camp one, those recruiting camp ones when nobody's wearing pads. But you know, I think uh, I think they got some some players up front on both sides that still have some question marks about filling out the uh, the, the depth chart at defensive end. But I'm feeling okay about the middle of that defense right now. So that's uh, a step up from where we've been the last couple of years. Other than that, James Franklin talked to us after the after the practice. Talked a little bit about position battles, how they're coming along at places. Backup quarterback seems to be wrap up. It seems like Taquan Roberson there. Um, I don't think there's there's much drama in that one with Christian Vayer. Um, but Roberson's got I know he's got no experience, but he's got the experience of being around the program for a couple of years. So shouldn't be a, a tremendous surprise there. He also said that safety was wrapped up, declining to name these guys himself. This is kind of what we're taking from that and 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 sort of twisting it into our own thoughts. Uh, but Jair Brown seems like the guy that's been taking those reps when we've been out there. Keaton Ellis also involved. It's also more Tyler Rudolph and some other guys as well. But you got to find that guy to, to pair beside J- Jaquan Brisker. Very, very important for Penn State this year. And, and left guard still ongoing. Uh, that's not really a surprise. I think this one's going to go into the season. Uh, a lot of Anthony Wigan, which is, you know, going back three, three or four months, really not something you could have say you saw coming, but he seems to worked his way up in there. Did not see Salim Wormley at, at practice last week, but he's been in there. Eric Wilson's in there. Des Holmes, as my voice begins to fail me. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on. I just love being back at practice. I know you guys got to take in the first couple of sessions this Wednesday, and we'll be back there again this Wednesday. But man, it's just, uh, I, I know as as happy as you people are to see actual real football, I was just happy to see practice football. So I'm pretty pretty pumped about that. Not only were you on, uh, you know, in a practice setting, you were also back in Beaver Stadium with the lights turned on, uh, kind of a, a prelude to what we'll see on September 18th when and, Auburn and, comes to town. And on the field, the grass looks great. The grass there looks incredible. Go. We actually started, or somebody on our board is a is a turf uh, turf science guy. Started an actual turf grass thread. It's great. You, know, you should definitely check it out. But man, I love I love that grass. It, it's so it's perfect, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a golf course meets a football field. You can't say enough about it. I'm wasting time talking about grass here, but uh, it's just, it's, it's one of those feelings, you know, it's one of those signs, those sense, the senses that you get when you walk into that stadium. It's just, it's unbelievable. And there will be four consecutive home games following that matchup at Wisconsin this Saturday. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be sick of it. I'll be sick of it by the fourth <laughs> one, but yes, that's, uh, that's where we're at. Going through some of those position battles that you just referenced, Taquan Roberson, that seemed like the inevitable outcome, although there was some drama in the fact that we did not hear any kind of clarification there. This is week one now, so we are officially on depth chart watch. Penn State is not a program that puts out its entire depth chart or any fraction of the depth chart um, at the start of preseason camp. You'll see some of that in college football. We've been waiting for for what that is going to look like. And and that brings me back to the Lackawanna College Bunch because we knew that Jaquan Brisk was going to be a starter this year. We knew Jair Brown was going to be in the mix to start alongside Brisker. And Anthony Wigan, really since the start of preseason camp, the name that wouldn't go away at that left guard spot where 
as you said a few months ago, wasn't a name that was front and center in that conversation. So potentially three first team guys at a Lackawanna College. I know, uh, you know, when it's a school that you go back to on an annual basis, you want to hit on a high percentage. You got two more commits uh, in the upcoming 2022 recruiting class. But for some people who kind of question, is it makes is it making sense year after year for Penn State to keep turning to Lackawanna guys who have two years of eligibility? Are they producing at Penn State? We'll see, but it looks like in September you're going to have three guys playing a, a pretty con- pretty considerable role, maybe all three of them being starters. And you, and you get sort of an extra year out of Wigan. Well, you, you already got an extra year out of Brisker, but you get one out of Wigan, which he needed when he got here. He was a, a redshirt candidate, even though he was a, a junior college player, built up that lower body, but that seems to have come along. And like I said, surprised. I mean, good for him. It's, it's very cool to see that uh, come together for him uh, sort of quickly because he wasn't did, didn't seem like he was in the mix coming out of last season, but got where he needed to be apparently. So we'll see if he can back it up on the field. Like I say, I expect some sort of rotation there, see what they're going to do and see what they have there to match with those other four guys that we've talked about with Rasheed Walker at left tackle with Michael uh, Miranda at center, Juice Scruggs at right guard, and and then Caden Wallace at right tackle. So, I mean, that's good. And you, you've also got that extra year out of Jair Brown. Now he's he's got to be good. I mean, he's got to ho- hold his position. I think Keaton Ellis has, has charged hard for that in camp, um, but it's uh, it's going to be one of those things where he's got to you know be solid. If he can be solid, that back four is, is in pretty good shape. And as that competition sh- shakes out, uh, you've also got Sutherland playing uh, up at the same position at linebacker. Got Tyler Rudolph, who's going to be trying to work his way up, um, you know, as as a guy behind the scenes to enter the season. We heard some good things in preseason camp, and over at left guard, uh, if that's the outcome, if Wigan is the starter series one, doesn't necessarily mean Wigan is with that with that group in series three. We've seen these rotations play out. It was at right guard during recent seasons. You saw Will Fries there last year, C.J. Thorpe. Mike Miranda used to be over on the right side at guard. This is one to me that you, you do wonder how long it will take where you see one guy run out there with the first team huddle and keep going out there series after series. I'd imagine it's going to take at least a few games for someone to fully stake claim to that. Maybe I'm underselling a competitor there at left guard, but I fully anticipate us seeing at least a couple faces there. And whoever is left on the sideline, it's going to be disappointing for them, whether it's a Des Holmes who's been with the program now for in year five or, or an Eric Wilson who came down after an all Ivy League career with one year to use here at the college level, was able to get down in May, not in January. And then, of course, you know, a, a guy like Salim Wormley uh, has been you know, a, a rising figure, I would say, in that offensive line room here in 2021. So maybe two guys are involved, but that also means kind of like the running back position, you're going to have two guys that are disappointed watching the action. Well, first step's winning it. Second step's keeping it. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what's going to be harder because, like I said, I think there's going to be a drop off there between those other guard or those other offensive linemen that have a little bit more experience than those guys. So uh, I wouldn't expect them to, to step in and, and roll right over Wisconsin with that left at the run right over the left guard's butt or, or anything like that. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. What I do know, Penn State's tight ends are good, man. Mm-hmm. They are good. Um, this is something we got Ty Hal after practice the other day. We got Brenton Strange after practice the other day. Strange and Theo Johnson put together one of the top one-two punches in the league, if not the country. James Franklin said it's the best tight end room he's been around in 25 years of college football, 26 years or whatever he said. That's something. You know, there's the tight end, and you can't sell Tyler Warren short. Ty Hal was very effusive uh, talking about Tyler Warren um, and, and how I have a tough time seeing him breaking through and seeing 
as much time as those other guys. Right. But at the same time, I, I think Tyler Warren's something for the future to, to keep an eye on. So that room right there has people excited. Um, and it's uh, it's a good sign, man. It's a it's a really good sign because first year position coach with Ty Howe took over a great room and it does not seem to have dropped off. And that's uh, something that Sean Clifford's going to desperately need this fall. I, again, I go back to our earliest days sharing this podcast in August of 2018, summer of 2018, leading into that season and the conversation at tight end, what's going to be happening after Mike Kosicki, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Koontz were the freshmen. There were some veterans who hadn't proven anything, but it was a major mystery. Right now, you're like, okay, if you have to go to the third guy for some reason, there's a lot of confidence there. And, and, and uh, we'll see. There's a lot of production to be had for, for all three of these players as they build out their Big Ten careers. But wow, I mean, to your point, Franklin making the statements he's made, teammates stating what they've heard, you would not realize that this team just lost the 2020 Big Ten tight end of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we were talking 2018 about who's going to be the starter. Can anybody step in there and you don't have to play more receivers or more running backs to take that's completely gone right now. It's uh, it's really quite a transition under Tyler Bowen. Decided to, you, you have to tip your hat to him, and that's obviously why he's in the NFL right now. But Ty Howe seems to be doing a pretty good job uh, himself, both with the, the responsibilities of coaching the position and uh, also you know recruiting as well. So been pretty cool to watch that transition. Um, speaking of transitions, we we had some pub for some young guys. We know we we love that um, on the podcast here. Jalen Reed, a guy that I wrote about last weekend, talking about turning heads, talking about a guy. I don't know that he's an early contributor at safety, but he's a guy that could probably get on the special teams, physical, smart, and from people I've talked to, better in coverage than they expected, which we watched Jalen Reed in high school and thought, okay, how long until this guy's a linebacker, Sam linebacker? And that still li- lives in the back part of my head. But at the same time, you're thinking, if you found a safety here, a guy that can play in the box, guy that can do the sort of things that maybe Marcus Allen used to do, doesn't have that kind of length. Um, but if he can play the ball uh, in space, that that might be something. And we saw him line up. He's wearing his number seven jersey, which says something at this point in, in camp, because typically he'd have a, a, a Badgers a scout team jersey on where he'd be wearing somebody else's number. Um, so maybe that, that says that they're planning on playing him. So Jalen Reed, one of those guys that uh, really took it and ran with it in camp. I think he's ahead of Enzo Jennings right now, which is crazy to me. I thought Enzo Jennings would be a little bit further along. I know that last year was not helpful to a lot of people, um, but I thought that Jalen Reed would be behind Jennings, probably playing on that scout team this year. So I think that's an interesting subplot to that. Uh, James Franklin also said about Kalen King, he's going to play. I don't think there's any question about it. He's going to play on defense, play, maybe play on special teams. I'd like to see him get his hand on the ball because that, that kid could do some things at the high school level. And then the freshman wideouts that we've talked about many times, Liam Clifford, uh, Harrison Wallace, Trey, uh, Trey Wallace, James Franklin said that he, or both those guys could factor in. I, I know I'm not as far along as you are in terms of being ready to put those guys out there, but I think that's that's interesting. Both guys that both were wearing their their own numbers as well. Right, and and not only is week one like depth chart alert week, but it's also green light, red light. You know, you're looking for some some confirmation there, and you can kind of see pretty easily on Saturday when this game kicks off who's in, who's active, who's playing on defense, who's only playing on special teams. So get a kind of a, a good idea of, of where guys stand coming out of their first college preseason camp. But to hear Jalen Reed as a riser here, he was not one of those guys who came in early, Sean. He was uh, you know, a late spring, early summer arrival here for Penn State. You wondered if any of those guys could factor in. But that also is Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford. Um, they had a pretty large early enrollee class this year among true freshmen. But coming out of that spring camp, you think, okay, Kalen King's going to play. But the question, the jury's pretty much out on everybody else, including Landon Tengwall, who was the top-rated player. Now Jalen Reed inserts himself in that conversation. Going to be fun to follow. Uh, it was not a big freshman class. That's well-documented. 14 guys now when you factor out Bonnie White and, and Nate Bruce. But if you're getting five or six contributors or maybe guys who are going to burn their red shirt beyond just the obvious suspects that we identified this summer, maybe you're squeezing a little bit more immediately 
out of this freshman group than we could have anticipated. And, and this was never a group that you expected a lot of guys to see the field early, maybe on special teams. And I, I look at a guy like Jalen Reed, who's six foot 210 or whatever he is. That's a body type that can run down and cover kicks for you. So he might be in that four games to green light situation or scenario. There's not a ton. And by the way, Mark Brennan did a, a rundown on our site the other day. Like you said, you can glean things from who's on the scout team, who's got their own number. Landon Tangwell also had his own number. So interested to see where he falls. Looks like he's the second team right tackle right now with, you know, that's taking into account moving pieces. Br- uh, Bryce Effner has played center, has played tackle. Des Holmes played guard, played tackle. And uh, yeah, I think that, and, and also Tangwell has played some guard as well. So I, I think that those are the, the guys that you're kind of zeroing in on. You mentioned the two receivers, uh, Kalen King, obviously, and, and, and Jalen Reed and also Tangwell as well. So we'll see where that goes in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I don't really see them throwing them to the wolves at Wisconsin, but you've got an opportunity with Ball State. You kind of take them back for, for Auburn and then you give them another opportunity against Villanova. So as poorly as this schedule sets up, you also have a chance to play those guys in the first month of the season. And you do not want to see him on the field on Saturday or the following Saturday or the following Saturday. Things are going right for Penn State. But Christian Veyu is going to be with this team. He's going to be on the sideline. That's the way it is, the way the quarterback room shapes up. Oftentimes, you'll see true freshmen left at home operating with the scout team. Veyu is going to be on varsity, and I think that's worth just reiterating here as we, we put a punctuation mark on the freshman talk. Absolutely, you got Mason Stahl running the uh, the offense on the on the foreign team. Evan Clark's supposed to or was supposed to join the program. We didn't see him at practice last week, but supposed to join the program when uh, classes started. So hopefully, you've got something there to, to run the scout team, and and Vayer can get some quality reps. He can get not a ton of practice reps because they got to go to the one and twos right now, but also traveling, learning, going through those motions and and things like that. It's going to help him out in the future. Looking at Penn State's 2022 recruiting class, which is already much larger than that 2021 class was, Sean, the big weekend for high school across America that includes some of the commits here in Penn State's class. You made a trip uh, to a big in-state matchup, uh, CD East, Mannheim Township, a couple big-time Penn State commits. I've been in your shoes before, though, because you came home without much in the notebook and without much on the uh, video and photo side of things. That's, see, that's actually not the worst one I've done. I, I, I drove down to Philly one time for a Friday night game, and now this was granted this was before Penn State I think played Temple the next day or something like that and I drove down to see Skylar Morningweg play and they changed the game from sat or from Friday night to Saturday afternoon and I get to the field and I'm just it, it's the John Travolta gif where he's just looking around Whoa, what's going on I text Skylar and he's like oh that's right we changed the game I'm sorry great man so that that wasn't the worst but I got to Manheim Township we they they tried to get the game in did some warm-ups and by that time, it was evident. And if you looked at the radar anytime on Friday night, you knew it was you were fighting uphill against that. I know some games got played, but that one got played on Saturday afternoon. Manheim Township winning 24 to 21 in a close one uh, came down to a muff snap by a CD East for a potential game tying field goal. Uh, but Anthony Ivy had the 99 yard kickoff return. So good to see him in playmaking mode. Makai Flowers made some plays as well. But uh, yeah, that's uh that was a pretty good game to start out the season. I know those guys were hyped to play against each other and play with with one another, but not the only big performances this weekend in a pretty loaded weekend for Penn State commits. And I want to talk about this Penn State backfield of the future. Nick Singleton goes for almost 300 rushing yards on 15 carries with five touchdowns. Katron Allen at IMG, 160-plus rushing yards, back-to-back 100-plus yard games for him with a couple touchdowns as well. Drew Aller. Uh, 246 passing yards, two touchdowns. Bo Prabula, 337 yards, five touchdowns as he gets underway with the quest to get back to that state championship game at Central York. Sean, there's a lot that you can say about these two quarterbacks, these two running backs. I I did appreciate your tweet, though. You watched Drew 
And you confirm a lot of the things that had everybody excited when he was on the rise last spring and ultimately when he committed to Penn State in March. That is all reflected as early on his senior year. And man, I just love the way this kid can improvise in within the passing attack and do it so smoothly and skillfully. And, and we probably overrate. I know everybody loves the the multiple arm angles and things like that. We probably overrate that a little bit just because of how successful a guy like Pat Mahomes has been. Uh, but it's still cool to watch and it's still cool to see him have that in his arsenal. Some some mechanical things. Definitely, he still continues to work on the uh, completion percentage, although that's not all in his hands, 15 to 28. So just above 50%. We would have liked to see him in the 60s this year, um, but that's obviously not always on the on the quarterback. But man, he can make some plays. He's more athletic than, than you would think. He ran some some of that QB power when they needed him to and got those tough yards and uh, got where he needed to be. Bo Pervula, by the way, 17 to 24, 337 and five touchdowns. Bo just does what Bo does. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable to see how good he has been and how consistent he has been uh, just just I, I know it, it's kind of interesting because we watch the the arc of his career and you know it peaks when the pads are on and it goes down a little bit when he has to do the camp stuff and throw around shorts and t-shirt it's right back up there where he was last year and that's good to see um because we've seen a lot of guys in shorts and t-shirts that can't throw the ball so uh hopefully Penn State hits on at least one of these guys um because they're they're very entertaining in their own right uh it's just so cool to see that that work that they put in the offseason I know it's it's kind of frustrating for them or frustrating for them to go through what they've had to go through um but they they've gotten back to where they need to be and and they seem like they're in a good spot and yeah those those running backs man they're tough they're tough i i haven't watched the singleton uh outside of the huddle i was hoping to see a little bit more of the full game but uh he's just he's doing what he should to, to for competition and katron allen doing the same if you read about that stuff online bishop sycamore should not have been playing in that game you img Whoops. should not have been playing in that game that's ridiculous um on espn's part on bishop sycamore that that's that's for another time but penn state commits doing what they need to do against really good and really poor competition. Yeah. And by the way, worth noting with Prabula, probably what we're going to see again, like we saw last year, specifically did it getting it done as a passer during the course of the regular season. When the competition cranks up, you're going to see him take off as a runner again. I think he had 150 or so rushing yards during the regular season last year, ended up with uh, 300 plus during the postseason run alone. By the way, I know you're making the case for dual threat Drew as well. Of course, of course. I mean, hey, he can run. I mean, he's not nearly as fast as Prabula, but he's 6'5", 230 or whatever. He's going to truck some people, and it's going to be fun to watch. But uh, he, t- he told us he loves the Josh Allen comparison, and I think Penn State fans would absolutely embrace that if it came to it. If it came to it, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. But they don't want to see any more of that, what they saw last year in December. <laughs> so yes, hopefully yeah. hopefully he just keeps throwing it around the yard and doing what he can and flicking uh, flicking that wrist and throwing that 25-yard dig, which is just ridiculous. So um, No, but he was good. Cam Miller, the cornerback from Florida, um, his his is uh first game for Trinity Christian Academy took a kickoff back for a touchdown really long athletic corner making plays in the return game Ken Talley I watched his game the other day uh, Friday morning uh, against uh, St. Joe's Academy in Jersey Northeast is going to have some issues on offense but their defense is actually pretty stellar they gave up 31 points but I think uh, 14 or 17 of that was a direct result of turnovers in the first half so they came around I thought Talley played well in the middle I still like him off the edge a little bit more but he he played well in the middle had a couple of sacks the other day and we're going to get to see a lot of these guys get back on the field uh, in the coming weeks states getting underway at a different starting point of course and the one i'm looking forward to most of all is to see what jerry cross looks like now as a high school senior who's about 35 pounds heavier than last time we saw him playing as essentially a jumbo wide receiver there at king high school in milwaukee circle his highlights as, as ones to monitor throughout this year because he i think he's gonna be a very different player than last we saw him in game action as a sophomore uh, Sean, I think that's that's just about it for the top half of the show. We're going to get into it with a conversation about what 
Wisconsin. Mike Hogan is going to join us from the 24-7 Sports Badger site to break down what Penn State will be facing this weekend. And you won't have to wait long to hear from Sean and I again, focusing on Penn State coming out of a Tuesday press conference with James Franklin. We'll have some players along the way, and then we'll follow that up with a midweek episode, followed by our preview episode Thursday. Again, new format, capping it off with a post-game podcast, getting underway here on a Monday. Sean, anything else to add before we turn it over to Mike Hogan? Nope. I'm excited to see uh, what our new format brings, but I'm also more excited for football on Saturday. Absolutely. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll talk some Wisconsin football as Penn State gets ready for game one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast as the conversation continues. And as promised, we are going to put the spotlight squarely on the Wisconsin Badgers. Big time week one matchup for both of these programs, both in the top 25, Wisconsin at number 12, Penn State at number 19. Big tone setter potentially for either of these programs on how they perform Saturday. To give us some insight on these Wisconsin Badgers, we welcome Mike Hogan, who covers the squad for 24-7 Sports. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. And we we met briefly in Indianapolis, but uh, nice to to talk to you here uh, again. Yeah, Big Ten Media Days uh, last month at the end of July. We hope we have learned a lot in the last few weeks since then but i know that you had a big day at wisconsin on monday because you got the depth chart you had a press conference we had our game week press conferences on tuesday around here so you're a little bit ahead about learning wisconsin's plan for week one the depth chart is out any big takeaways that Penn State fans should be aware of as those position battles kind of get sorted out? Well, there weren't a whole lot of surprises in the in the first depth chart. Um, and obviously that's fluid. It's going to change. Uh, it always does throughout the year. But I guess the one surprise was everybody was expecting redshirt freshman Jalen Berger to be the starting running back, um, at least at the number one slot on the depth chart. He was not. It was Ches Malusi, the Clemson transfer uh, that everybody is very excited about up, up in here in Madison. Um, so that was really the only surprise. And, and Chris, uh, when asked about the running back rotation kind of alluded to the fact that it seems like it's going to be a by-committee approach, even though Malusi's at the number one spot. That's still one of the biggest questions for the Badgers here as we approach the first game is how many guys are going to be in that rotation. The majority of the carries, it seems like it's going to be a little bit of a split attack to start the season. Berger led the team in rushing and yards per carry last season. He only played in four games. Um, They like his talent and and his ability. Chaz Malusi, like I said, everybody very excited about what he can bring. He's 
he's only played in 21 games uh, over the last two seasons at Clemson, um, rushed for 427 yards and six touchdowns. They like what he can bring uh, from a, a, like a veteran perspective, uh, even though he's still kind of young when you look at uh, how many snaps he's played. He's Gary Brown, that running backs coach, who, by the way, played at Penn State back in the day, uh, thinks he kind of brings a different mentality to the running back room, and they like that. And, and obviously he can catch passes out of the backfield. They were using him that way a lot in camp. Uh, and then another guy to watch in the in the running backs room uh, listed in the third spot was Isaac Garendo. Um, he's been here for like three or four years, but um, hasn't played a whole lot because hamstring injury. So really the running back position was the spot that everybody was watching for the depth chart release. And of course it brought some sort of surprise, but really it sounds like it's going to be a by committee approach in week one and maybe throughout the whole season, but we'll see how it evolves. Yeah, we're, we're bracing ourselves to see what that Penn State running back rotation looks like as well in September. So similar storyline there. As In terms of coming out of preseason camp, I, I know you had a look at this team and some scrimmage action, uh, some 11-on-11 looks at this squad. Do you feel like some important answers surfaced in August, or is a lot of th- a lot of this still up in the air and prove it on game day? I think the one question that everybody had, that everybody had in common before, before before camp was the defensive line. Matt Henningsen's is a, a senior. He was the most experienced defensive lineman they had, the only one with starting experience in the defensive end group. People were, were wondering how much depth would, would emerge there, and it, it did. They, they have a lot of bodies at the, in that position up and down the line. At defensive end, they have a couple younger guys, Rodas Johnson and James Thompson Jr., two guys who haven't played a whole lot. James Thompson Jr. got hurt in the first snap of his college career, last year against Michigan. Um, so he, he'll, uh, both, both of those guys, Johnson and Thompson Jr. Uh, looks good in camp. Isaiah Mullins is a guy who's played a lot of football on the other, on the other side. He'll, he'll be the second starter at defensive end. He's a pretty athletic uh, kid. Uh, he can get in the backfield, but also um, can take up space for linebackers to get through. He was really eager for a larger role after kind of sitting behind some guys um, the last couple of years. And then at de- defensive tackle, they really uh, feel good about what they have. And Keanu Benton, Last season, didn't play a whole lot uh, in the nickel package, but uh, they're going to use him a lot more this year, it looks like. Uh, You know, he he, uh, was disruptive, maybe the most disruptive player in camp, just consistently making plays in the backfield. So they feel good about their defensive line. That was one area, at least on defense, that they that uh, everybody was kind of wondering about uh, how much how many bodies they have. And they they seem to have a lot of depth there. Uh, The offensive line, not too many surprises there in camp from what we saw. Uh, There were some moving parts. There were some injuries. Tyler Beach, the starting left tackle, was out for the most part of camp. He was limited toward the end. He told me today that he'll be ready for week one. Uh, Logan Bruss on the other side of the line uh, at right tackle. He also dealt with uh, a couple ailments in camp, but he's he returned within a matter of days. So the, there were some moving parts, but I think everybody realized in camp that the offensive line has a lot of guys who can play multiple positions. And then also um, at center, they have Joe Tipman who emerged as a starter at Caden Lyles, his senior Remington trophy watch list guy, uh, Joe Tipman jumped him. I, I don't think that was too much of a surprise. I think people kind of were maybe anticipating that, but, uh, the offensive line, like I said, moving parts, but uh, a lot of depth, a lot of versatility. Um, and it's kind of similar because last year you didn't see a whole lot of these young guys on the field. It was kind of hard to make any kind of assertions last year, but I think people feel good about the offensive line 
and the defensive line after camp, after seeing um, the depth and just the versatility. Well, much like here in Happy Valley, I know there's a lot of conversation on the quarterback position up in Madison this time last year. Well, not exactly this time because it was a late start to the season, but coming out of the first slate of games on the college football schedule in 2020, Graham Mertz was the you know an early national star because of his performance and a blowout win against Illinois. Then you kind of, you know, now hindsight being 2020, you, you look through that 2020 schedule. Wisconsin, the next couple of games, wasn't able to play. COVID protocols there. And then Graham Mertz and Wisconsin's offense failed to put up double-digit point totals in three games as as the, the team finishes four and three. What are we to make of Graham Mertz and the offensive potential with him as trigger man? Well, I'll tell you, in camp, the defense was way ahead of the offense, um, at least to start. The offense came back at the end, looked sharp. Early on, though, Mertz did throw some picks. He made some, you know, not not poor decisions, but, uh, he, you know, he made he th- made some mistakes, but looked fresh um, at the end and very sharp. High expectations uh, for him. And, and obviously, you mentioned that first game where he threw five touchdowns. That's That tied a single game record in program history. Um, he completed his first 17 passes and finished 20-21 overall. I mean, you were probably talking Heisman after that performance last year um, and then he then he hit the wall a little bit um, you know he, he said after that Michigan game which UW won I think 49 to 11 was the final score and um, he said he hurt his shoulder after that um, so that obviously played a role in maybe some of the inconsistencies he had but he feels good and everybody else feels good about what kind of jump he can make this year because he has veteran pass catchers around him Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor two seniors at wide out missed most of last season with uh, concussions. So that was big. Mertz didn't, in the first two games when they had him, uh, those two guys, they were pretty explosive offense, put up a lot of points. And then after he kind of saw the drop off. So they feel good about those two guys um, at wide receiver, Jake Ferguson at tight end. He was one of Mertz's favorite targets in that first game through three of those five touchdown passes to him. Obviously a, a great red zone threat in Ferguson. They feel really good about the weapons they have around Mertz. And obviously the offensive line is always something that people feel good about up here. Um, that that should be a factor. And then Paul Christ, they shoveled some things around in the coaching staff in the offseason. He'll be coaching quarterbacks and calling the plays on offense. Joe Rudolph was the offensive coordinator last season, but they in those in that series of moves, they moved him back to offensive line coach so he can solely focus on that part. But my point is Chris has coached some of the better and more consistent passers in UW history. Coached quarterbacks before here and was also the offensive coordinator as well. So people feel good about that. Yeah, just a lot of optimism around Mertz. And, uh, you know, I think uh, people are really expecting him to take a a big jump this year. And I mean, he was the highest rated quarterback recruit in in program history. So, uh, I mean, of course, there's going to be those high expectations there. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions as a passer in the first two games last year. In the final five games of Wisconsin, schedule two touchdowns five interceptions still have a lot to learn about Mertz but as you said expectations are in place I saw your colleague Evan Flood tweeted out this morning that Danny Davis is 100% for Penn State that's a significant development that he's going to be out there you referenced the past head injuries seems like that could be a spark for the offense no doubt about it are there any other health uh, one way or the other good or bad for Wisconsin updates that we need to know yeah, not really. They 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 came out of camp pretty healthy. Tyler Beach, uh, I already mentioned this. Um, you know, he was dealing with some some um, some issues with his left leg early. Nothing serious, just minor, maybe some bumps and bruises he had coming into camp. He was limited. Tell, told me he'd be fully back. Logan Brown, the backup left tackle, a former five-star guy who feels really confident uh, coming into this season. He had a head, I don't know if it was a concussion, he, had a, he was listed as had a head injury. He was limited as well. Um, 
um, toward the end of camp, but he, I think he's returned. Um, we haven't gotten a full rundown with him yet, but uh, yeah, they feel really good about their health. Very healthy, you know, really nothing um, to be really concerned about heading into uh, week one. Penn State and Wisconsin have played 19 times, but this is not a, a frequent matchup that we see in the Big Ten Conference. It feels like Penn State plays Iowa out of the West every single season, but these teams last met in 2018. Before that, you go back to the 2016 Big Tw- Big Ten type Championship game, which Penn State won. It, overall, four consecutive wins for the Lions. But I go back to this. It's been a while since Penn State fans saw Wisconsin. So do you think there are some misconceptions about this 2021 version of the Badgers? Maybe people want to f- think that this Wisconsin team is the same as the one from 3-4 five years ago what does it look like right now yeah i mean a lot's changed uh, since i mean obviously there's there's different players on both sides of the football i think a lot of things have remained the same though i mean obviously wisconsin is a team that's that that wants to run the football um they want to get um those tough yards they want to get those tough yards they want to rely on their running game but i think this year they're going to be thrown a little more i think i mean with the talent Mertz has around him. Um, another guy I didn't mention when I was talking about the wide receivers is Shimmeray DK, um, a sophomore wide receiver who really, really stood out in camp. And he's a guy who got valuable reps last year when Davis and Pryor were out. So they feel really confident about what he could bring. And I think he's, you know, he's a different kind of wide receiver. He can really go up and get it. He's a little taller than Davis and Pryor. He's kind of speedster guys and they like to use him on the, on the jet sweeps and the, and the screen passes. But uh, DK can really go up and get it, go down the field. Physical guy uh, got a lot better from what I've heard from last year. And then you saw him in camp. I think that I would, you know, I don't, think it would shock anybody if they came out and um, you know were a little bit more reliant on their on their passing attack but uh, I think the running game is always going to be you know something that they that they take a lot of pride in and um, their defense as well I mean you think about Wisconsin they always have had a strong defense when Wisconsin played them in 20, Penn State 2016 that defense made some plays and then in 2018 that game was like a 22 to 10 or something kind of game so um, yeah Wisconsin is going to play physical style football you know their defense is gonna, uh, their linebackers are gonna come up and make plays and, and get get to the quarterback. And uh, yeah, I don't think a whole lot's changed. But uh, I think the one thing maybe Penn State fans might be surprised if, if Wisconsin comes out and um, attacks through the air. Prior to last year, when neither of these teams lived up to their preseason billing, circumstances were very different, of course, in 2020. We all know that. But prior to 2020, both Wisconsin and Penn State had reached 10-plus wins in three out of four seasons. You had Wisconsin routinely ending up in the Big Ten championship game, 2016, 17, 19. What is the feel around this version of the Badgers? Number 12 nationally, facing a number 19 team on home turf. Again, it feels like this is going to be a major litmus test in the eyes of a lot of national national analyst in determining who may be the biggest threat to Ohio State out of the Big Ten. Well, and I'm sure Penn State feels the same way. I think everybody up here in Madison believes that last season was an anomaly. I think everybody thinks that, uh, you know, nobody's putting a whole lot of stock into what happened last year, kind of want to forget about it. Players certainly have kind of gave that notion. Um, They haven't come out and really said that, oh, let's forget about last season. That's not what athletes and coaches do. They they hold on to those things and they want to get better. But uh, I do think that there is a little bit extra motivation to prove that last season was just kind of a fluke. And I think the expectation... Tyler, is it that Wisconsin wants to win the Big Ten uh, West again, and they they think they have the, the the horses to do it on both sides of the football, and they 
I mean, Penn, Ohio State's just—it it almost feels like they've turned into some different force in in the Big Ten East uh, with just the talent they have. I don't know if Wisconsin has enough yet to, to really. Uh, a couple of years ago, though, I mean, you look at that Big Ten championship game in 2019. Wisconsin did push Ohio, give Ohio Ohio State a pretty good push, um, but Ohio State ended up winning that game by a couple scores. So I don't know. I think I think Wisconsin. The expectation is that they'll win the Big Ten West again. That's something that these fans and coaches and players expect to do every year. As you said, they've 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 routinely appeared in the Big Ten championship game and that's the expectation but the next step is beating Ohio State and, and making that jump uh, I don't know if they can do it this year I think they have the talent to stick with Ohio State but I think still even then Ohio State might just have a little bit um, a little bit more well before we set our focus on the two teams playing in Indianapolis in early December let's talk about the two teams playing in Madison here to start September this I'm gonna put this put you on the uh, on the spotlight here Wisconsin wins this game if Wisconsin loses loses this game if well they win this game if i mean i think i think their defense is 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 a big reason why i think they're going to win i think obviously there's there's some unfamiliarity you know with penn state's offense a new coordinator they talked about that today in the press conferences that you know it's always a challenge in the first game when you you know you don't know a whole lot about the opponent thing it's not this isn't the nfl you know things change personnel wise every year and uh, but then you throw in a, a completely you know a different offensive coordinator who's maybe trying to a- attack and different way I think that's that's definitely going to be a challenge for this defense but you look at Sean Clifford a veteran quarterback one of the better passers in the Big Ten but um, he's had a little bit of some issues with interceptions in the past I think um, Wisconsin's defense has the capability to force him into some mistakes Um, I don't know how explosive Wisconsin's offense will look right out of the gate I think they're going to be a unit that gets better throughout the year and I I would I would I would get more predictions for this offense if if I knew what the situation with the rotation was going to look like at running back but I think they're going to get by with their defense in this game and if they can force Clifford in some mistakes and the offense can capitalize on short field position, I think that that's the winning formula. Uh, they lose this game if Penn State comes out and, and beats them deep. Um, they're a team that likes to throw it long. Wisconsin secondary, a lot of veteran guys, but uh, you know Penn State's got some guys on the outside who can who can uh, beat them long. I think that will be something that uh, you know Penn State's going to try to do. And uh, Wisconsin will lose this game if they can't stop Clifford in the long ball. And and also Clifford uh, is a guy who who uh, you know and then in the limited amount of film I've watched on him this week here, I think. Uh, he's a guy that looks like he w- likes to run the ball. He might surprise it with um, his feet and his scrambling ability. So if Penn State uh, opens up the passing game, I think Wisconsin could be in for a su- little bit of surprise. It feels like a lot of people just are expecting them to win this game, but uh, a very, very tough opponent here in Week 1. And what we saw last year and what we are hesitant to take from last year makes it all the more difficult to anticipate what happens on Saturday. But this is what we do. It's our business. we got to give game predictions. My co-host Sean Fitz and I will give our predictions for this game a little bit later in the week on the podcast do you have one for us to serve up i know you've got your own site to to, to handle needs on but do you have a prediction and, and an explanation of why you are leaning that way here on the monday of game week I'm going to go with Wisconsin. I'm, I'm um, you know, I, I think the one thing they have, and we haven't really talked about it yet, the fans are going to be in the crowd, in the stands. It's mm-hmm. going to be a packed house. It's week one. These people are ready to go up here. It's been since November 2019. And um, I was reading through the game notes they gave us here this morning, and, and I think I saw Wisconsin was 60-something and eight at home since 
2010 or uh, in a span of like nine or 10 years, it's a tough place to play. I'm not saying the crowd's going to win it for them, but I think that's a factor that we have to consider. I think it, it's a tough, it's a tough venue to play. Wisconsin plays well at home, but I think I already touched on it in the last question here. I think their defense might be farther along than, than Penn State's offense. And I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't think either side's offense is going to be that impressive. You might have a different opinion than me. You know, you cover the Nittany Lions, but um, I think I'm thinking 21 to 13 Wisconsin. Their defense forces one or two turnovers, takes advantage of a short field situation, and, and their offense just kind of plays complementary football to a defense that uh, looks to be already close to midseason form in camp. 13 points from Penn State. Uh, you may want to head over to our message board afterward and see what the hell is happening over there. If that ends up happening, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm with you on the the home field. What that might mean here in 2021. You've got a lot of players on these rosters across college football rosters who just don't know what it's like to play in front of a, a hostile road crowd because it didn't happen last year. Maybe in 2019, they were too young to be on the field for many meaningful reps or not even to a college campus yet. So I'm, I'm with you. I think that is something that you cannot ignore here. We appreciate your prediction. We appreciate all of your insight here co- coming up on the matchup and uh, we'll follow your coverage as well heading into this one because we know some things are going to pop up between now and Saturday kickoff. Thanks so much. And 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 again, welcome to 24-7 Sports. I know this is your, your first full season covering uh, Wisconsin for 24-7 Sports. So I hope it's a good run for you, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Tyler and I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be talking throughout the week here really exciting matchup here on Saturday sounds good that's Mike Hogan he covers Wisconsin for 24-7 sports thanks to him that's going to be a wrap for episode one this week. Remember, this is just the first of four that are coming your way between now and Saturday night. Wisconsin and Penn State kick off 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday. That will give us plenty of time to digest what exactly happened on the field and what we want to discuss on that postgame podcast. And then we're right back with you next Monday, like we are this Monday, to set the stage for what comes next and take a look back at the game that happened before. So we're excited for this new format. A huge help from our new producer, Lance, who you int- we introduced you to earlier. Big thanks. Thanks to Mike. You can expect to hear from the opponent's analyst if we have if we have one within the 24-7 Sports Network, which I'm pretty sure we do almost every game, maybe a couple exceptions, but you will hear from that analyst about their team to give us early week perspective on each of these matchups. On behalf of Sean and Lance, I'm Tyler Donahue, stepping aside for now, but we're back with you before you know it, right here on the Lions 24-7 Podcast.